Welcome to Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. My name is Julie Paulston. I am your host, and I am so absolutely honored that you stopped by. Each week, I'm going to be sharing my own personal journey, and I'm also going to be interviewing some incredible people that will be sharing their journeys as well, in hopes that we can educate, motivate, and inspire you to live the best possible life that you can. So grab your favorite beverage, maybe a snack or two, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Because at the end of the day, this truly is all about you. Welcome back to Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. I know it says that in my intro, but I love what I do, so I got to say it again. Every single time I say, I've got the coolest guest, I've got the coolest guest, I have the coolest guest. And that is no exception for what is today. Today, I have someone that I don't even know how the hell she found me. We were sitting here talking about it before I hit the record button thinking, well, where'd she come from? Because I got a message in my inbox and said, Julie, oh my gosh, I love your Phoenix. Let's connect. And then I started talking to her and I thought, oh my God, she's my soul sister. She needs to be on my podcast. And she's got an incredible story. She is a best-selling author. She is somebody that I cannot wait for you to learn about. Uh, her name is Pam Milliken. And I will tell you that I am so excited. I know that I can introduce people but let's face it, reading a bio is boring as hell, and it sounds like a dating site. I like long walks on a just starry night on the beach. So enough of that bullshit. Pam, tell us about you. My, it says, you know, I'm looking at my internet, it says unstable. <laughs> so sometimes I feel unstable. So you froze it's my life. Me. I'm unstable. I'm unstable. <laughs> you know, and what was interesting was, why do we always freeze in the most ugliest of positions? Your face is just doing something. You're just like, I couldn't do that if I tried. And, and yet it's frozen and I look like a horror story. It's like, what is that? I don't oh, know, yeah. but it I seems to do that every time I go live. It's like, I look at it and I was like, really Facebook? That's the picture that you thought was going to get people to watch my live. Yeah, moment. thanks for nothing. Well, thanks for nothing. <laughs> I get you. Well, thank you for having me on Michelle. I'm really excited to be here and... Uh, yeah, lovely. I love you, Phoenixes, by the way. You really should do a podcast where we can see those. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday I will. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, because like I said, I can read your bio and do all that stuff, but nobody can introduce you as well as you can. So tell us a little bit about you. Cool. All right. Well, um, my, my first book that I ever put out is a poetry book. So I think the best way to share with you who I am um, is to read a poem I wrote about me. So with your permission, I'll read that. Now I've got Absolutely. My because, you know, I'm in denial with the glasses, nearly 60 years old, and I think, try not to wear them, but, you know, you start to do that squinty thing. And <laughs> the story is the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. All right. When I was just a little girl, I rarely got to eat. My clothes were torn and dirty, and my shoes didn't fit my feet. We lived in poverty and debt with times of absent lighting, Cold baths meant shaking cold and wet to the background noise of fighting. My father was such an angry man that mother tiptoed round in fear. And we kids dared not to rock the boat. We just held our breath when he was near. 
My mom was just a simple thing, no schooling had left her dense. And she chain smoked like a chimney sweep and swore so much you could easily take offense. There were many times of hiding too, behind the sofa, flat to floor, from aggressive men called collectors who thunder banged the door. I found everything confusing. It made no sense at all, from the language they were using to the endless drama school. I tried hard to be a good kid. I practiced manners and studied hard. And I loved the sharing of my learning, but found it tossed out in the yard. So I became a people pleaser and I cooked and cleaned age date. But that didn't work well either. He chucked the food and smashed the plate. And father with his temper and terrifying rages would shout, punch doors and break our things and since his blow ups ran in stages. Our mother often copped it first with a fairly hefty smacking. We'd hide away, try not to hear her cries and yells, nerve wracking. It wasn't safe to say a word, just tolerate, accept, abide. Give no show of your emotions, you keep those feelings locked inside. But nothing lasts forever, soon mother left and ran away. But she took my little sister with her, but where she went, she didn't say. Then it was only six months later when father too abandoned ship and took my little brother with him while I was away on a big road trip. So I came on then to find a completely empty house and everything I owned was gone. It was a vacuum that was quiet as a mouse. Neither of them had wanted me and at only 15 years of age. I couldn't work out what I'd done, their moods I just couldn't gauge. Feeling lost and lonely, fearful, sad, thinking, boy, I must be really bad. What to do now? Where can I go? Think, Pam, think, okay, I know. Mother always liked that song, walk tall and look the world right in the eye. Well, that day I grew and I did just that and I didn't stop to cry. Now that was 40 years ago and I've done such a lot since then. I've worked hard and raised a family and I began my life again. Okay, so like I said, once I stop crying, we'll be just totally fine. <laughs> wow. Wow. So I always ask a question at the beginning of my podcast. We've all been in the shit pit of our lives and we've all been in the ashes. That poem describes one of the times that you were in the ashes. I don't know if it was the most pivotal, and if it was, and if it wasn't, how did you reclaim your divine inner phoenix? You know, that's a good question, Julie. And um, I don't know. I think sometimes um, that we are so divinely guided that we have to trust ourselves when we get that little inner nudge. And coming home from a holiday, um, when my mother left, I'll just backtrack for a second. When my mother left and took my sister, we didn't know where she went. And it took us... Took me about 15 years to find out where she'd gone and um she was a violent woman anyway she my, my sister used to wet the bed till she was about 13 years old and my mother used to strap her to a chair and put the wet sheet over her head and make her sit there with it on her face and and she was a, a slow learner so um my mother would have these plastic flowers and she wasn't very good with her colors so she would hold up the the, the plastic flower with the color and if my sister didn't get the color right she'd get whacked with the, the thing so I found out and I only found out probably a year and a half ago now when I was researching, um, sorry, reaching out to family members to say, am I, um, am I making this up or am I remembering correctly or am I embellishing? Because I, I wanted my book, Making Broken Beautiful, um, which has been adapted into a, a screenplay by a Hollywood producer. So I'm really excited about that. I want this. Congratulations. Thank you. And to go out to the world. But um I wanted it to be truthful. I didn't want it to be embellished or fanciful or anything like that. I wanted it to be truthful. And I've left some things out because there are some things that in there are really hard. 
um, it would be too hard to read because I have I had that life but you know we stay in abusive relationships we stay in abusive and violent environments because it's familiar and we know how to deal with it like I used I was a people pleaser but I knew from my father's uh, face and his expressions and the energy around him what was going to happen and I would say to my brother and my sister okay we need to go because see where dad is he's doing this this and this and that means in a minute the whole world's going to blow up so let's just get out of here so we're not on the receiving end of it so you get to read people and be intuitive. Now, when my mother left, I became chief cook and bottle washer. So I did all the cleaning and all the washing and, and all of that at, at, at 15 years old. Now, we didn't have all the fancy washing machines and the, and the things like that. So we had a big old sink, right? And I'm a tiny girl. I'm like five foot one, five foot two if I stretch myself. <laughs> it's five foot one and a bit, but I always say, I'm five foot two, nearly. But so... We had these big sinks and I used to put the sheets and everything in there and then stomp on them with my size three, three feet. It took a long time because they were my feet already, like the child size. And then we had this mangle, right? Then you have to like drag them out and I'd get water everywhere in this like metal bucket as I drag that outside, fold the sheets up and put them through this mangle. And a mangle is like um, two wooden rollers that sit like this and you turn it right and it feeds the thing through. Now I had to squash tight to get the, as much water out of the sheets as possible so I could hang them on the line. Now, I forgot this one day when I was doing my dad's shirts and I put it through and it crushed all the buttons. <laughs> so I got a beaten for that. And then I had to sew them all back on. Lesson learned, check your rollers. <laughs> so, yeah, check your rollers. <laughs> check your rollers. That was, I learned some hard lessons, you know, and we everyone does. And you can let that pain and that adversity define you and treat you and make you think you're less. But... But for whatever reason, I held on to the fact that I was a good person and I was a good kid and I tried really, really hard. I was, you know, just about a straight A girl at school. Um, and I came home with my reports and I'd be so excited. I got another, I got six A's and an A plus and, and it would just get like, you know, twisted up into a tourniquet and lit the fire with. And so my, my family were very uneducated and they didn't value education and told me I was a big head and so um, a show off and and know it all and all those things and you just get a beating for it so it's another thing too that we're just not taught to celebrate you know how brilliant we actually are and we're afraid to shine you know and, and when I say you know um and I said to you while we were chatting earlier that I did a law degree just to prove to my father that I wasn't the 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 stupid ignorant all the things that he used to say to us he was kicking seven bows of crap out of me it's like you know, you can, I, I just think, fuck you, I'll show you, fuck you, I'll show you, fuck you, I'll show you. And I had this mantra going over into my head just over and over because I knew that he was wrong. I don't know why I knew, but I knew because we know ourselves when we're doing the wrong thing or when we're doing the right thing or when we're being selfish or when we're being mean. And even if we are being all those things, Julie, we're not our behavior. Our behavior is just what we do to get our needs met. Now, I can be being a complete asshole, but does that make me an asshole? It does if I continue my whole life like that and right. I treat everything like that and I don't do the healing. But if I'm being an asshole or, or a bitch or whatever it is, I'm doing that because there's some unmet need, uh, unmet need over here that's not getting met and I'm hurting. And the more people, when I, when I coach people and I cancel in my practice and through my programs, I, I cancel people that... If the louder someone's shouting at you, the nastier they're being, the more they're hurting. But it's an emotional hurt that you can't see. And we, if you stopped for a second and stopped reacting and stopped making their crap that they're shouting, they're spitting at you, you personal to you, you might come uh, from a different perspective and learn that they're actually giving you a whole bunch of information about themselves. So if you listen, 
you know, like listen to what they're saying. They're just, they may be making it about you, but that's, they're doing that because they're feeling that inside. They don't know what to do with it. So they're making it your problem so that they get to express how they feel and they made it your problem so they don't have to deal with it. And they, for a minute, they get a little bit of a, a, a reprieve. It's a bit like a volcano go and then it just has to, to build again and and so I've made it your problem now. It's, it's your problem. You can deal with it. I don't have to. I can go, got to get that off my chest and now I'm good. So exactly. as, so going back to your question of my um, of pivotal moments, it's like, I think we have lots of them. And I think it's, um, we have all these horrible things happen to us. And it's what you deal with that, um, how you deal with that and what you tell yourself, the story that you attach to what's going on. So all the shit that my father was putting on me and telling me I was useless, it just made me so driven to be, I became the typical overachiever. And uh, as I said to you, I've got more qualifications and hairs on my head. It doesn't make me any better. It just means I've got a box of tools that's bigger than the universe. So there isn't anything I haven't done or tried. And, and uh, I looked at that too. I used my pain and my trauma as a tool to drive me to be successful, to, um, to, to motivate me to grow and to understand. And I've been working and learning about human behavior since I was 17 and I'm nearly 60 now. So cool. I was talking about emotional intelligence 30 years ago when people were going, yeah, okay, Pam, I know that you think that's what, that's, I know you think that, but nobody else does. And I'm yeah. going, yeah, well, look at me. I'm ahead of my time, baby. Cause I got that shit sorted 30 years ago. So that was kind and of and it's funny because you're back then you're talking about it and people are like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Bill Gates is like, there's a computer. And, and no matter what you think about him as a human being, I mean, yeah. he brought us windows and he brought all these things. And back then it was like psh, computers. Those are never going to remember flip phone, cell phones and the big yes. bricks. Oh, it just, yeah. and you were just yeah. way ahead of your time. I yeah. think you brought up a really good point and, and I can see just like this image of, you see so many children and even as adults, when people are so verbally abusive, I, I remember my ex-husband, I, I told him one time, I wish you would hit me. I wish that every bad word left a physical mark so that people could see how badly I was beaten down. And I wish that every thing that when you say something mean to someone that you would actually see physically how it hurts so that you could tell because there's so many times that people say things and it's coming from that wounded child inside and it's coming from that unhealed part of them and they have no idea that the damage that they're doing so what did you do from like 15 to 17 so your mom left and then your dad took your brother and he left you come home what the hell you come home to an empty house yeah, and you know that there's it's a bittersweet thing actually because one of the things I, I struggled with is accepting um, amazing things happening for me because I'd been allowed to go on this holiday, my boyfriend at the time and his family, and this is where I was getting my, that, that there's got to be something wrong with these people because the friends I was making were had families that were wealthy for whatever reason, I don't even know. You know, the moms didn't like me very much because I was I came from a council house down there and scruffy and my parents were on the dole and and whatever. So it was like uptown boy and downtown girl. My relationship with him. But anyway, um, he was her little boy and it was his choice. So I I had to go through a ton of hoops to sort of win her around. Um, But um, I'd been allowed to go on holiday with them. And when he'd asked me, he said, mum and my mum and dad said, you can come with us. They were going touring around France and, and Germany and Italy. And so seven countries 
in seven days type of thing. I think maybe it was 10, but I, I don't quite remember. I was trying to get a hold of him to find out, but anyway, I didn't. So um, I was allowed to go and I said, I don't think I'm going to be allowed to go. You know, I'm not allowed to do anything. I'm the, I got to do all the washing and the cleaning, the cooking and, and, and all the rest of it. And he said, well, my parents are going to pay for everything. So I said, we don't have any money. And uh, he said, well, my parents are going to pay for you. And I went, wow. And I was so excited because I wanted to go. I'd like, I'm an avid reader. I've read everything in the school library so many times over because my my thirst for knowledge is, is insatiable. And, you know, I'm an overachiever and I've got like four courses on the go that I'm creating, writing my book, writing the screenplay, doing other people's courses at the same time because I have this capacity just like, like a sponge, right? Because knowledge is power and understanding people and understanding behavior is power because it stops you being a victim. But so I always said, I'm not going to be allowed to go. And Ian said, well, let's just see if we can work it out. So it so happened a couple of weeks before this, my brother and I put an advert in the paper for my dad to have a companion um, because he was just his, because my mum had left, he was in a, he was even more foul. And um, we had all these people coming through and some of them were my brother's friend's mom. So he's going, I'm having Barney's mum as my stepmom. She's not coming. I'm not having that. No way. <laughs> so we were like just going through all these applications going, no, we can't have her, not her, not her. She's worse off than we are. We we don't eat for several days a week. They don't even have any furniture in their house. No, we're not having her either. So we, we whittled it down to this one woman called Jean, who I just didn't like the minute I met her. There was something about her energy that it was dark and she didn't, you know, when you get a feeling when you, mm-hmm. when you meet someone and you go, there's something about you that's not authentic, yep. it's not real and you've got an ulterior motive. And, yep. but, and I didn't like her when I met her and, and she told me, you know, she called me all these fancy names and I'm like, you know, I've got an education that you wouldn't believe on. I'm over 15, but I'm, still, I'm a prolific reader. So she was using all these big words and I go, oh, you mean this then? And she didn't like it because she thought she could use these big, long, fancy words. And as a 15-year-old on a council estate, she thought I was dumb. So I, this is when my education came in. And I was like, oh, you mean blah, 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 blah. And I gave her a different uh, example of what that word could mean. You can also use it in this context. And so we didn't get on. Okay. Oh, she she, she did not <laughs> like you. <laughs> she did. She felt crushed. Uh, so she was like, oh, shit, this one's going to be a problem. And the reason, and uh, no, no, that came, became apparent because when I was, I was allowed to go on holiday and I thought, that's amazing. Okay, something doesn't feel right. Right. Something's not right because in my gut, I knew I wasn't allowed to do anything ever. And so, but all of a sudden, my dad said, You can go. And I, and I said to him, He said, I can go. And he goes, That's great, isn't it? And I said, Well, yes and no, but because something's not right. And he goes, Well, don't worry about it. And so I had the most amazing, and in my book, Making Broken Beautiful, I've written about this. This scene that I'm telling you now is, is what I've written about in my book. So it's about, um, me going away on holiday and having the most fantastic time. It was, I had the time of my life. Uh, I just, there was so many, and I won't, spoilers, because if you're going to read my book, I won't tell you, but but my journey through those seven countries was amazing. And so I had, it was the most amazing thing that ever happened to me. You know, for many times as a young girl, my uncle Monty, who was sexually abusing my sister and I, would come around and would say he was going to take us to the to the carnival, to the fair at night with all the lights. and the, And I could see it out of my window. I could hear the noises and almost smell the candy floss and I thought and I'd sit on the on the steps waiting in my best clothes and I'd even wash my hair and we had cold water so and I used washing you know dishwashing liquid because you didn't have the fancy shampoo so and I'd sit there and for hours and hours and hours and he never came and so the disappointment of looking forward to something only to be disappointed meant I trained myself not to look forward to things but then I had this holiday 
And Julie, it was the most amazing holiday. I was like, my my appetite for knowledge and I, you know, was just insatiable. I just learned everything about Italy and France and Germany and, and all these things. And then I came home and I couldn't wait to share all these experiences. And I, you know, I'd eaten frogs legs and all sorts of things. And they don't taste like chicken. That's just bullshit. I don't know who says that, but they don't taste like chicken. Right. I am not. Like I have no desire to find out if it tastes like chicken or not. I am not eating a leg of a frog. That is not going to no, happen. Absolutely. And, you know, they're like a mixture of chicken and salmon. And it's the most disgusting thing you've ever tasted. So it's like, eh. yeah, exactly. Correct. So anyway, I came home and I couldn't wait. I was all excited. And when I rock up and the house is empty, then my heart dropped. And I know the windows were all like, um, they're called window lean in England. They, they paint the windows out. And there's all these broken bits of furniture over the garden. And I discovered later that um, from my brother only 18 months ago when I was doing my calls go, hey, what's the story? Am I get? Am I remembering rightly? Um, that he'd been abandoned too. And I thought my dad had taken him, but he'd been abandoned and he'd slept on the doorstep for three days. Mm. And uh, he'd been there when the council people had come around and he's going, hey, where's my dad? And they said, oh, he handed his keys in three days ago. So my brother had been sent to stay with his friend for a couple of nights because the council apparently were coming around and replacing the windows, but they weren't replacing the wow. windows. So Jean had obviously got rid of William and at, at 12 years old and he'd gone to stay with his friend. And uh, so he'd come back and the house was sort of all locked up and he couldn't get in. So he just sat on the doorstep. And when I come back from holiday, the whole house was empty and they'd broken all the furniture and chucked everything out because my dad had moved in with her. But she'd been made to come back and pick him up because he was only 12 and uh, obviously nobody said anything to me because I was away on holiday so I wasn't complaining so when I came back and looked in the window and the whole house is empty you kind of had that feeling like I know I know what's going on here but I'm not acknowledging what's going on here and so I'm looking in through the window going what the, you know what the hell and so I knew he'd been seeing this woman Jean so I walk for an hour and a half in the rain, it always rains in England. <laughs> so, so I'm walking my little bag of clothes up to knock on the door. And then my my biggest part of my story is about the altercation I had with her when I wanted to crack her stupid fat head up against the wall when she said, well, Arthur's moved in with me. And by the way, he's not your father and uh, there's no room for you. And I'm like, I'm 15 and a half, what do I do? And she said, it's not my problem. And she just shut, shut the door. And then my my altercation that I had with her is what I've written about. In my book and so from then I went to stay with Ian and his mom and dad but I was I was so typical downtown girl you know I wore the same shoes same pair of shoes to school for two years and I had to bend the backs down and to, so that they would fit and put bags over my plastic bags over my socks so that they didn't get wet when it rained because they'd worn through on the on the soles and stuff so Ian's mom you know I we, we got I we got on after eight years so but um for a while she didn't like me and so and that's fine you know I I understand that there was a big divide between us but so in the end, I ended up went and lived in, I don't even know I found this woman actually, but I lived in her attic for a while. So I had to climb up these, these steps to get to this attic and it was the best attic on the planet. I made that shit look really good. It was, I had a big cat, I had a big poster with a cat in a big brandy glass and his, you know, a little ginger cat. And that I made, I, that was just covering a big hole in the wall so, so animals could get in. <laughs> but you know what? It was my home for a while. And so, and, yes, I And it there. probably... It, in that moment, if you think about it, Pam, in that moment, you were safe. I, I was, was in my space. Yeah, yeah, it was yours and you were safe. And there was no, you didn't hear the heavy footsteps coming or the screaming or the plates breaking or the, just the energy that precedes the violence is, it's palpable. It's, it's, 
you yeah. know when it's coming. And, and for the first time in your life, you had the ability to sleep. Yeah. And my brother found out where I was after a while and he was stealing food from their house because he was having his own drama going on, on in there. And um, she was a, a piece of work. She was making him sleep in the garage and he would have to sit on the floor like a dog and eat his, his dinner because she wouldn't let him sit at the table and she didn't want him there. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it incredible. floors me the, the more that, that I work with people and my clients, and I know that you, you've done the same thing and, and we've talked about a couple of your clients is the, that hurt people hurt people. Absolutely. That the more abusive they are, the, the deeper the trauma and the pain and the abandonment and the rage and all of the things that go along with it are so deeply ingrained and they just don't know what to do with it. So it just comes, it, it just, it's that verbal vomit. It's that rage vomit that it just comes out and you're whoever's closest. I mean, you know, in the United States, we call them Karens, you know, the, the, the women that come in and if anybody's listening and your name is Karen, I just apologize. because <laughs> I have a friend of mine whose name is Karen. She's like, this is some bullshit. I am done with my name being Karen. I was like, I love you, girl. You are not your typical Karen. Yeah. And it's, and it's oh, Karen. people. And I feel so sorry for them. And, you know, I, when I had my previous job, I would remember that women would come in and, and I worked at a store that predominantly served women. It was a beauty kind of like supply salon kind of warehouse kind of thing. And uh, I remember women would come in and if they would get the wrong mascara, you would have thought that you murdered their firstborn. The chicken little, the world is falling. The world oh my is God, falling. the world is. And I used to, I used to tell the stylists that I mentored and I used to tell the people in the store, it has nothing nothing to do with you. You never know what happened five seconds before she walked in the door that triggered that little two-year-old who was never validated. That little four-year-old who was knocked across the room, who was told that they were stupid, that they were, that they were useless, that was assaulted, that was all of those things. You don't know what happened that yeah. triggered that behavior. And like you said, we are not our behavior. Exactly. It is a reflection of the pain and the trauma that we have not healed within ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I have a question for you. Um, when we were talking before and, and I kind of gave you my trifecta of unfortunate events, you made a comment that I think is just freaking pivotal and brilliant about the universe and what it does and how it just kind of, I want you to share that because it was, <laughs> I, I think that anybody who's listening. And in fact, I, I'm thinking of like, there are certain people that are really close friends of mine that I know that listen every week. And I love you guys to death. Thank you for listening. And, and for those that are tuning in for the first time, I'm ever so grateful that you're here. But there's a couple of my friends that are going through some shit that need to hear this. So could you, could you share that with them? I will. And um, my pivotal moment, which is what made me think about that, is 
I could, when I came home and that house was empty and Jean was telling me there's no room for you here and I'm living on stolen food. And my, the abuse didn't stop there. I, I was four, 15 in the house, so I couldn't go to school. Uh, my, yeah, Miss Grant wouldn't let me go to school because I had to work and I wasn't on full-time education. So then the babysitter was sexually abusing me too. So I had to deal with that for six months until I could go, I don't need you anymore. And then I became a filing clerk and then it was, I became the big secretary for the whole company because I was on this mission to, to prove myself. All right. So I could have used all of that and just made myself a victim of that. And felt really sorry for myself because dad took William, mum took Shirley, nobody wanted me. And I could have wished that that, that had never happened. But I think even though I was being abused, people stay in abusive relationships, they stay in abusive homes, they stay in abusive environments because it's familiar. It's what they know. And they don't want to be there, but they know how to deal with being there. So they can keep themselves safe to a certain degree because just like I was saying to you earlier, I knew when my father was going to blow by the color of his skin, by the by the, the way that he walked and held himself. And it's like, Fuck, I got to get out of here because that's going to blow. Grab my brother and sister and let's go hide until that volcano erupts and it dies down a little bit. Then we're going to be safe for a while. And because he used to bang on the ceiling and do all sorts of stuff. But so coming home and being find that being uh, the whole house being empty, I might never have left there, Julie. I might still be in there, still trying to like make my my dad a better man, make my, you know, find my mother and and educate her and and do all these things. I might have to try to fix everybody around me because uh, I could have seen that they um, I was more educated than they were. So I knew and I had more compassion and that I could help, I could help them and I could fix them and make their lives better. And that might have been my life. And I would have stayed in that abusive environment. I may never have grown to the extent that I am. I may never have dug so deep to find out what I'm capable of and who I am and what I'm really made of and what my real purpose is if I had not had everything taken away. And I think sometimes we hold on to things too tight and the universe is going, girlfriend, you're holding on to that shit way too long, too much, too hard. And I'm going to take it away from you because otherwise you're just going to sit there and your talents, your skills, your gifts are wasted because that's not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be over there doing that and you're fucking over there holding on to that shit. Now, I'm just going to take that away and make a decision for you. Boom, shakalaka, there it is. <laughs> and, I, and when you said that before I hit the record button, I'm like, I have to remember she has to say that because it was like last year, it's coming up. I was talking to my mom earlier today and, and we were talking about, you know, because, I, you know, breaking my wrist, getting fired and then losing fucking everything I owned in a hurricane. Like, yeah, when I, when I look at it, when you put it like that, you're right. I would have still been at that job. Yep. Because I, 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 I identified with that, even though I was miserable and I was in pain and I knew that my calling was so much bigger than that. Yes. I would have stayed because I was terrified. Yeah. We're too afraid to let go. We hold on to what we know because we don't know what the unknown is. But when the, when we do that, when we turn and face the unknown and go, well, I don't know what's coming from me, but I've got balls bigger than Ben Hur and I'm going to face it. And if I screw up, fuck up, mess up, I don't care. It's all learning because in my mind, there is no failure. There's only feedback. So if I screw up with something, I just learn, okay, I need to learn a little bit more about this. I need to get some more education on that. I need to get some training on that. That's all. It's just information. No failure, only feedback. And it's all information. And you don't know what you're capable of until you're in adversity. We're too complacent. We stay in our little comfort zone and we go, oh, I'm not doing that because this might happen. Boring, boring. We live the same day over and over and over and call it a life. Forget that. Find out what you're capable of and go out and challenge yourself. That's what I think. Oh my God, I love that. And it's just, 
everything that you're saying is, and it's funny because I had uh, the very first thing I did when I became a coach is I designed the six week course. I was like, somebody said, Julie, design a course. I've been an educator for over 10 years. I'm like, I've been a public speaker. I, okay, let's do it. And I did this course and, and week three was the gift of the crash and burn. Yep. Because in every single crash and burn, there is a gift if we're willing to look for it. Definitely. Most of us want to sit there and go, oh my God, this happened to me. What yeah. am I going to do? I don't, you know, and we will, we will go back to relationships that we know are not good for us. Yeah. We will go back to friendships that are toxic. We will go, we will stay at jobs that are toxic. We will stay in toxicity because we just are so everything happens to us. And, and it's really about understanding that this is happening for us That's right. because in, in our subconscious, we have said, I want more. That's right. And you want I to want grow. More. You need that incident to grow. You need that to make you go, Whoa. Okay. Because you know what people, it's like worry and anxiety. I don't actually believe too much in that because if you're, your worry and anxiety is about a future that you don't know what's coming. And, and that's, and you're in that place, I believe, and it's just my personal belief, you know, and people might get mad at me for saying that, but I'm never worried about money or my future or whatever, because I'm too busy creating it. So I know what's coming, right? I think we only worry about a future that we're waiting for someone else to make for us, that we're relying on someone else to make this happen, help that happen, bring the money in, supply me with this, rather than going, I'm taking this shit by my hand, I'm taking control of my life, and I know what's coming. And if I screw up, then I'll just work it out then. But until then, I'm just going to keep driving forward and, and making my life happen. So I, why do I have to be worried or anxious? Something doesn't work, then, okay, well, I'll do it. I'll find another way. Does that so make sense? So what do you say to people that, because I, I know that I, that I struggled with it, I, and, and I still, there are days that I'm like, I could sit and sit on the shower floor and cry because it's like that need for external validation and that that need for someone to tell me that I'm doing a good job and that, yes, this is where you're supposed to be. And that imposter syndrome, how did you overcome that? And what do you, what is your biggest advice that you can give to people that are like, but, but Pam, I mean, you're smart and you're educated and you wrote a book and you did this and you did this and you did this. But when you're sitting on the floor of the shower and shit is sideways, I mean, what do you do? You know, I still have days like that. And, uh, you know, I've been uh, for the last 18 months, I've written both of my books and and I've put together a six week personal development course. And it, I've put my whole heart and soul into that because I've taken so many other courses that they all fall short. You know, like there's a positive thinking course or there's a, a woohoo, let's get you busy, you know, get you confident in that for five minutes. And then when that external um, um, impetus is gone, then you go, oh, and it becomes another shelf help book and you, you put it on the thing. So I want people to to validate themselves from the inside out, not the outside in. Because when we're so like, a, you know, if, you, I might, if you're my best friend and I go, hey, Julie, you know, you haven't told me I look great today. And I'm like waiting for you to tell me that. But now you haven't told me. So now I'm like, well, what happens to me? It makes me too tenuous. Right? It makes it that I have to wait for someone to tell me what I need to hear in order to feel good. Well, that's a stupid place to be. It's a very weak place to be. But I still have my moments when I was like having uh, moments where these stupid click funnels and trying to get my, my course to do all the right things and, the, and the, what I wanted to write. And I wanted my course to cover everything. I wanted to unpack where you're at right now, understand why you're there. And I think understanding is the key. 
by understanding why you're there, what do you need it for? What are you learning from and how are you growing from it? Because once you understand that, you can go, oh, I get it. I would never be who I am right now if I hadn't had all that. And I actually like who I am right now. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing or I'm on my way to do what I'm doing. So have your moment in the shower when it or shit goes sideways. Cry your eyes out, swear, shout, scream, do whatever you do and then just go, okay, I've had my moment. Now I'm going to go and pave my way and I'm going to keep moving forward. And I've done that. I've been ripped off to about $25,000 so far with people that are supposed to be helping me with social media and all the things that I'm not very good at. All right. We all have our weak points and it doesn't mean anything. It just means I'm not good at it. I don't really give a shit about it. But so I'm going to pay someone to help me. And um, then the people don't do the right thing by you. And I go, wow, I must have got fucking screw me over on my forehead because I'm getting ripped off over and over and over again. And I don't have like you back it, like you said, buckets of money, you know, rip me a whole new backside. Just like, yeah, he's not a $5,000, it's not $7,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? You go, let me just open my bank account and take that out. Like, you know, smack me around the head while you're there. It's like, right. so it's like, I don't have that, but I'll find the money. If you can help me get my message out to the world that we don't have to be what happens to us. We are what we choose to become and we are, we are what we choose to make of what happened to us. And I can say, screw you to all those people that hurt me and abused me and, and beat me because there was something wrong with them. And they were, they were in pain too. Right? And that's what people have to understand. You have to stop making it personal. As you said to the girls in the makeup shop, stop making it personal. It's not about you because if I'm, so if you and I are in a relationship and you're beating the shit out of me and because you can't teach me what you don't know. And this is how I deal with it. I say to my clients, okay, Julie, did your mother ever speak to you in Chinese? And you'll say, well, of course, well, not really, no. And I go, really? How rude of her. Did she speak to you in Japanese? And you go, no, she didn't speak to me in Japanese, Pam. And I go, well, why didn't she speak to you in Japanese or Chinese? And you'll go, she didn't know those words. She'd never learned it. I said, no. And that's the point, isn't it? She can't teach you love and affection. She can't teach you kindness. She can't teach you empathy if she didn't learn it either. So maybe her family environment that she grew up in was just as brutal as the one that you're growing up in. So, and maybe that person, so her grandmother and her mother and her mother. So how far back in the chain do you go, right? Who are you actually listening to? Because when you and I are having an argument, say, it's my programming and my conditioning that is arguing with your programming, your conditioning, because what's going on right here, right now, it's not even relevant, you know, it's just something so stupid. So it's like, how many generations have you just gone back because I'm listening to my mother who's listening to her mother who's listening to her mother who's and on and on it goes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, uh, I, it's perfect. And, yeah, it's so have a moment and, and write it down and go, um, and be, remember too, you have a thought, but you're not your thought. So I'm having a thought that I'm not good enough, but I well, now I can choose to do what I want with that and go, and I can buy into that story and, and make myself feel bad and hopefully someone will come to the rescue and make me feel good Whew, I've just given my power away well screw that too so I can go I'm having a thought that I'm not good enough I'm gonna go fuck that <laughs> I'll do something right. to show what I am then and I'll go and find something to prove evidence to the contrary does that answer your question oh, Sorry, it was a bit yeah. creepy, but uh, no it's perfect and it's funny because I uh, when <laughs> when you have those moments and you're like oh well I don't know it's looking around and looking what you have accomplished and really understanding that your trauma is not the actual event. It is your perception of the event because you and I can go to the movies. We'll see this exact same movie. You walk out going, oh my God, that is an Academy Award. That's the best thing I've ever seen. And I'm walking out going, 
I just fucking wasted $20. What the hell? <laughs> that was worst shit ever. But, and then it's funny because you think about like Hurricane Sally. I had a, a friend of mine was staying with me and we evacuated together and she is doing her thing. I'm doing my thing. We have two totally different versions of the same event. We went through the same thing. We were in the same house. We got in the same car. We drove down the same street. We went to the same house. And then afterwards we went our different ways, but we went through the hurricane together, but her version and my version are totally different. How we saw the trauma is totally different. And so I think it's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and that's what got me into doing what I'm doing is because I was yeah. like, holy shit. So you can actually help people yeah. see the trauma differently to yeah. heal the trauma, to learn that you are not your trauma. Yeah. You it's are not mind. what's happened to you. It's your yeah. perception. It is. And that, that's why I've written this book, uh, my life in verse book. It's all about. I can't wait to read that. Yeah, I'm going to send it to you. Um, it's life is all about perspective. And so in it, there's tons of poems in there that I've written about self-sabotage and about feeling overwhelmed, not good enough and, and all of this stuff. And it's about um, ideally identifying with that, not feeling good enough. And then I flip it around halfway to give the reader a different perspective and go, well, what if it isn't that? And then I create a quote to back up that new level of thinking. So because it is all about perspective. It's about like you have five children all grow up in the same house and they'll tell you a completely different story and you think, they grew up in different houses. So yeah. everything in life does happen for you. It happens for you. And the more shit that you have happening to you, you're, you're being given it because the universe knows you can handle it. It will only give you what you can handle. And when you look at the shit and you go, if you put all the shit that's happening to you on these scales over here and then put the word growth on that side of the scales and go, yep, baby, because the more shit I've got, the more growth I'm going to be. So I'm going to be a bigger, better, badass version of myself right now. And I love who I'm going to be because I'm going to empower everybody else to be the same. Ah, uh, you're my new best friend. Sorry, Tara, I still love you. You are my best friend. I'm just kidding. So it's, I can share. Love, it will share. I, 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 I like Sesame Street. I can share. What you just said is so true. And, and there's a movie. I remember one time my mom asked me, um, she said, you know, Julie, she said, you, you've gone through so much in your life. Would you go back, if you could go back and change anything, would you go back and change anything? And I said, no. And she said, well, but, but, and I said, here's why. I will never, ever forget. It had such a lasting impact was the movie called The Butterfly Effect with Ashton Kutcher in it. And he just went back and I don't even remember anything about the movie. I just remember he went back to change just one thing and then everything else was wrong. And so then he went back to change one other thing to fix the thing that he changed. And then he went back to fix that thing because he needed to fix the thing that broke that. And I think that if I didn't go through every single thing that I went through, I wouldn't be the woman that's here. Yeah. And now going through that and doing my healing journey and going through and, and re looking at the trauma and healing and, and doing all that shit, I tell people I'm badass, And if you don't like me, that's okay. Because I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm damn sure somebody shot a whiskey. And yeah. that when you yeah. get to that level is such yeah. a level of freedom. It is. 
it's you gotta stop trying to people please you can't please everybody i'm not everybody sometimes i'm like a fucking tornado people go, and my daughters and my youngest daughter's the same i swear when people we leave the house people go thank god they've gone <laughs> <laughs> i wake up and i hit the ground running because life is so beautiful and it's so amazing and if i'm living it do, um you know based on what other people think of me and how they what they what they what their opinions are i mean opinions like backsides right everyone's got one and so if i'm on your opinion and then you say this and i do that oh, okay but then some other says that and I go oh well hang on now I've got conflict going on because you said that and she said that and I like both of you people but then somebody else has said something completely different it's like you know you, you can't live your life that way you've got to understand who you are and that's why I like my that's why my course called my course is called reset your life and reset your life is about um resetting your life whether it's after a divorce after infidelity after loss after covid after whatever shit you've gone through when you've had everything taken away from you reset reset and live your life live your life on your terms live by design my whole tagline is live by design and live it with passion because to live someone else's idea of a life and someone's idea of morals and values and and all of that bullshit that goes there is like that's living their life what a, that's a complete waste of your uniqueness and of who you are so you don't get a second chance that we know of right and you right. signed a little contract when you came onto this planet when you, you to to be born into the families that you were born into now i'm a reiki master so i'm very spiritual too but i believe in soul contracts i believe that um I believe that when we, we incarnate on this planet, we go, I want that environment. So say you can have it as a, to make it easy, a level 10 experience. I'm at the bus stop, my, all the other souls are going, we're going to be born into, wait for the right combination of people that are going to come together to give me my level 10 experience because I want to evolve big time this time, this lifetime run. Now I believe in several lifetimes. All right. So, so I, I have to ask this. I'm totally yeah. jumping in here and I'm totally interrupting <laughs> because I'm, you just, no, you ask. I'm a level two, so I'm a level two Reiki practitioner, and so I'm I'm right there with you on the I'm right there with you on the movie ship. <laughs> so I already heard half of the audience go, "What? That no." So what you're saying is that when you were born, yeah, you before you were born, you said, "I want that mother, I want that father, I want that level of abuse." I want that level of trauma in my life. So before you were born, little Pam in the movie soul is one of my favorite movies with, you know, they're up there, the little souls yep. floating around. You were like, Ooh, yeah, I want that shit storm down there. I believe the same thing. I I'm, I'm right there with you, but I know there's women listening that are like, I would have never wanted to go through this. You could not have paid me to go through this you know, I, my husband almost killed me. I was raped. I was abused. I was this, I was that your life experience. You're telling me and everybody that's listening that your soul chose that. Why? Well, I get to, I, maybe I wanted to evolve so much because of the, uh, the more ascended you are as a soul, I think the tougher your lessons are this lifetime. That's one thing I believe. And this is just my personal belief and you can, you can call bullshit on it, whatever you like, but it puts you in a position of power when you take this stance. And that's what I chose a long time ago when I started working on spirituality and understanding soul contracts and all those things. Um, and I'm, I'm steeped in science too, all right? But to answer your question, when I'm a soul and I'm waiting there and I'm, I, want, I choose to have a level 10 experience this lifetime, I don't get to choose how that experience comes. So I didn't choose the abuse. I didn't choose the rape. I didn't choose being um, abandoned by my whole family. And I didn't choose to be um, raped by the babysitter and blah, blah, blah. I never chose the actual experience. I just said, I want to grow this much this lifetime as a soul. Now, 
in order to grow this much and depending on where I'm at previous lifetime, okay, where I ended up. So where I end up, when I die now, the my amount of evolution I've done this lifetime, I can reincarnate and come back for my next life and go, I might actually might choose a princess lifestyle and just kind of only want to have a level one experience. So I might be Lady Diana who had everything beautiful and she had all her, but look at that, Madonna. I mean, there's all these people that are beautiful. They, they've got the, the admiration, adulation of the world. They've got all the money. They've got the people flying in there. They've got the looks, the clothes. They're still unhappy. They're still depressed. So the amount of money you have does not buy you their love and happiness. It's that self-respect, that's that self-loving that you have that you go, and if I own that I, that's going to that's gonna help you live a happier life. Now, if I own that, okay, if I did choose my mother and I did choose my father because they were going to give me the, the combination I needed in order to grow this lifetime, I don't get a say in how that happens. Now I'm just dealing with what happens because if you know what's happened, it's not a lesson, is it? So you need to be blindsided and surprised to go, fuck, how am I going to deal with that shit? Because you're not worrying about that. Then you're too busy dealing with it. Right. And what story am I going to create from that? And I can create in the positive or I can create in the negative. And that's my choice right there. I can empower myself if I own, if I did choose all that. And I would invite everybody who's listening to go, all right, if what she's saying, I think bullshit to what she's saying. And I, I, I love that because I, I'm stoked that you feel that way. Now I want you to go by saying bullshit, you've just closed yourself down to, to open, being open and taking the power back. Because if you go, that sounds like bullshit, but what if, what if I did choose that? What difference would that make to me? Who would I, you know, why would I have chosen that? What have I learned from that? Why did I need that? And how has that helped me grow? Because now I'm analyzing all that shit that's happening to me rather than being the shit that's happening to me. Does that make sense? I just love you. <laughs> that's just what we call a mic drop moment right there. <laughs> because I, I got nothing. Y'all, <laughs> I could talk forever on this. I, I mean, I'm like, oh my God, like how many times anybody that's listening that knows me, I'm never without words. I'm without <laughs> words right now. I'm never, I'm never silent. I've never, it's just, because it's, it's so true. I can look at what happened and I can either be bitter or I can do better. Yeah. And I choose when I wake up in the morning Am I going to ride the bliss train or am I going to ride the bitch train? Yeah. And at any point in time, you can pull into a station and say, this is not my train. I'm going to go get on the other train. Well, let me ask you, Julie, what's the point? You know, um, as a, I'm a Tony Robbins coach too. And when I did his training, I didn't learn anything new because um, I'd already been studying this stuff since I was 17, but it validated what, what I was teaching and the way I was thinking. And, you know, he teaches too that, holding on to pain and holding on to feelings of hate and anger those bastards are still fucking winning forget that they're still controlling your life it happened 50 years ago 40 years ago 20 years ago even an hour ago you're still holding on to it and that's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick they've exactly. moved on they're gone they don't give a shit they're gone they right? probably don't even know that it happened yeah. but because of our filters and because when it comes into our lives and because how we filter it through our little filter system, we're all offended. And that person is walking around happy as a jaybird and has no idea, but because how we filtered it, now we're gonna hold on to that for the rest of our lives. Are you kidding me? So yeah. what it yeah, so my, my ex-husband beat the shit out of me. So I've been raped. So I've slept in doorways. So I lost all my belongings. It's okay because guess what? 
I'm still here. Exactly. And look what you're doing now. And you would be strong and have that, that resilience and resourcefulness that you have right now. And you needed that to go where you're going. I, I call it emotional guidance school. Right? Yeah. If, I want to go to the, if I want to get big muscles, I've got to go to the gym. And you can't just walk around the gym and walk out and go, woohoo, six pack. You've actually got to get on those little machines and do some work, right? So, and emotional guidance school is the same. I know, I know. You know, I do five sit ups and go, why, why don't I look like Elma? Where's my six pack? I did a sit up. <laughs> I did a sit up. I thought about a sit up. Surely you can meditate and go, mm, and there it is. Didn't right. happen. All right? right. So, but no, you've got to do the work. So, that's the same with our emotional growth. Like, okay, let me put it to you this way. I could, if I, we're going to ride a unicycle, I'm going to say, okay, Julie, I'm coming around to your place and we're going to ride a unicycle. I'll send you over a video. You can watch the video. I'll give you a really good explanation because I'm really good at describing what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And then I'm going to get you to watch some people until you actually get on that unicycle and you find your balance. You see where you've got to do with your hands. You feel where you've got to be and how you've got to put your body on that and where you've got to look. You're not going to ride a unicycle. You have to go through it in order to understand it, in order to know it and, and be competent on it. Otherwise, it's just a theory. You can't shove a crystal up your ass and sprinkle, you know, essential oils on your head and expect your life to change. Oh, really? I was going to try that later. Well, you know, hey, if you want to try it, I mean, go I for it. I got a crystal too. Slightly, might be slightly uncomfortable. I'm just saying. But it's, you see that it's so pervasive right now. It's just... You know, and I firmly believe in meditation. I firmly believe in journaling. I've been talking about yes. it forever, but it, you have to do the work. If you want six pack abs, you don't shove a crystal up your ass and drink lemonade. And then all of a sudden, two <laughs> days later, you've got a six pack. It doesn't work like that. It just, it just doesn't. I don't, I don't understand the crystal up the ass thing. That's just like, that's blown my mind. I'm like, what? Well, I never would. <laughs> Because you see all these people and they're um, like, they're like holding crystals on, you know, and I'm all, as I'm holding a crystal and I'm yeah, like, we've got them all over, like see, we're spirit sisters, you know, I've got my singing bowls, I've got all of this stuff, but I can play my bowls and hold my crystals and chant and sprinkle essential oil everywhere. But until I heal the trauma, until I heal my perception of the event we will stay stuck. Absolutely. I want people to ask themselves that are listening to this, like, what if the way that you've been treating yourself, what if the words you've been telling yourself, I'm not good enough, I'm not enough, I'm not, it's always something freaking I'm not enough, all right? <clears throat> and that's, I deal with this big time in my course. Um, because what if that wasn't true? Then what? Who would you be? And what would you do without all of that? Yeah. And if you if I asked you to list 10 things that you love more than life itself and you hand me the list, why aren't you number one? Yeah. Why don't we put ourselves number one? Why don't we say, <clears throat> I love me more than anything else in this world? Because when I love me, I'm responsible for me. Yeah. I own me and I get to choose and live my life by design, not chance. It's not by, by default, choice, not by no. chance. Yes, no, my thing is don't live your life by design, not by default. Yeah, by design. Programming. But you know yeah. what, Julie, let me ask you something. What do you like about me? Tell me everything that in the last hour that we've been talking, what do you like about me? Oh my God, uh, that you are, number one, that you are just who you are. Yep, what else? You are who you are. There is, there is no sugarcoating. There is no 
bullshit. You are raw. You are real. And at the core of it, there is because the people who are listening, you guys don't get to see her the way I'm looking at her on Zoom and the <laughs> cute face. So you guys don't get to see her. And, and I'm telling you right now, there is no way this woman is almost 60 years old. She looks younger than I do. So there's that. I'm telling you right now, there's there's something about you, Pam, no matter what you said, there is a light. It, it's just, it emanates from you. And you can tell that you know who you are and you love who you are and you celebrate who you are and you want to share and empower others. That's what I like. That's, I'm just like, I am so utterly grateful for the last hour that we've been talking because the universe puts you in my inbox. That's for damn sure. For damn sure. Now I'm going to share something with you. All of those things that you just said about me, it wasn't an egotistical comment because I'm asking you because you can't see anything in me that's not in you. Exactly. So everything that you just said about me, you're actually talking about yourself because you can't, you can't. Oh, you're going to make me cry on my own damn show. Stop. You can't see it in me, me Joy. Perception is projection. That's right. I just did. And it's so funny because I just did a podcast, uh, not this last Wednesday, the Wednesday before where I said, I did a whole podcast about you can't see it in other people unless you see it in yourself. Correct. So I have one last question for you. Hit me. So when you are in the shit pit and you are on the shower floor and you are at that point where life has completely, you feel broken beyond any sense of repair. What is one thing that you can do to help yourself? You know, first of all, um, I allow myself to feel that. I stop telling myself I shouldn't be feeling this way because that's all moral obligation and it shoulda, woulda, coulda doesn't help you so I acknowledge I'm feeling really shit today I feel really unhappy I feel I'm fucking useless I can't do these funnels on these things I don't know why I'm trying maybe you know I'm a fake nobody nobody knows me nobody and I can beat myself up and I can tell myself the most foulest things and I can write them all down and I can honor how I feel at that moment but then I give myself a time limit and I go okay I'm going to cry and I'm going to beat myself up for 15 minutes. And so when 15 minutes is over, I'm getting in that shower or I'm getting standing up in that shower and I'm going to finish my shower and I'm going to go out for a walk and I'm going to walk with my feet in the ocean or in the park on the grass, wherever I am. And I'm going to get real and I'm going to be, I'm going to find as many things as I can to be grateful and thankful for because everything I went through, I went through for a reason and for a purpose. Now the universe only throws at you what you can handle. So shit, I can handle this and it's, fucking horrible right now and I hate it and I hate me and I hate the way I am hate the way I look hate the way I feel but I'm having those thoughts and I can choose to become those thoughts and get lost in it or I can choose to sort of like you know embellish myself in it for a minute and then I can choose to move on and grow from that experience it's a choice Pam you are amazing (laughs) And, uh, I, uh, for those that are listening, yeah, yeah, Julie's, Julie's in tears, so it's okay. Um, I am going to, now y'all, 
need to go to the show notes because I am going to have links to Pam's books, to her website. I am a woman who believes that we can only rise when we rise together. I do not believe in competition. I want, if this, if Pam resonated with you, please reach out to her, ask about her course, ask about her coaching, ask about her books. I will put all of her information in the show notes because you you need this woman in your life. And I am just, I will always be eternally grateful for this hour. I would like to, with your permission, just read the poem that is at the back of this book that I'm going to send you that sums up where I've been in my life. Absolutely. Take it away. We have time for that? Absolutely. We won't grow up. This is my show. I do what I want. <laughs> I do what I want when I want. Here comes do what I want. See, now this is when you can see that I'm 60 and I've got my glasses on. Denial. <laughs> okay. So finally, now we've come to the end. I hope with a different perspective on life, divergent choices for happiness, alternative to living with strife. Life can be a massive adventure if you just choose to make it that way. The places to visit are numerous. So too are the cool things for play. You can hop on a plane and fly all around the world or sail off into the beautiful sun with a sail mast unfurled and the wind in your hair. Close your eyes, smell the air, feel at once. Then there's travel by train, a fun way to cruise with bunks for overnight sleeping. I did that once on a Vietnamese train and have so many memories worth keeping. There's caravan camping, pull up where you wish by a park near a river or ocean. Wake up with the birds who rise with the sun. Another day for a life put in motion. Now that I have done, now this I've done in a camper V-dub where I followed the sun and the waves. I competed a lot for a good seven years and in the big stuff, I got kind of brave. But if that's not for you, then driving by car will give you more options, I'm sure. At least you can stop and check somewhere, check in somewhere nice and perhaps a much better sleep you'd procure. Then there's someone I know goes on motorbike rides. Now that could be extraordinary fun. But for me, I prefer just a short-term draw ride much longer and my poor legs and butt would be done. Though, that's not much different after days on a horse where my bottom, it really did suffer. After hills upon hours of trekking up hills, I could have done with a much better buffer. I traveled by camel in Africa once, a funny and odd kind of beast. It ran really weird and it spat quite a lot and I held on and stayed on it, at least. Then in Thailand, I rode on an elephant's neck across a meandering and muddied long river. With excitement and check and a smile on my face, the experience was such, I got shivers, it was amazing. I've jumped out of planes and dove under the sea, taught snowboarding for 17 long years. I've traveled the world and I've made it my life, determined to not be held back by my fears. So a lot of the poems you'll read in this book are personal to me and my life. See, I chose early on to not let them win, to succeed and neutralize their strife. A long time ago, I made a long list of ambitions and dreams and I worked hard to make them come true. I never gave in and I used failure to win and with each tribulation I grew. So I share with you now the courage and hope that you will find any way you can to get through. Use all adversity that may try to stand in your way so you can have all you would want for you. And with that, my friends, it's been an enjoyable, beautiful, Amazing hour. Thank you, Pam. I appreciate you. And please go to the show notes, connect with her. She is incredible. And with that, my friends, we will see you next week. Thanks, Julie. 
Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I appreciate you. And remember, you are loved, you are treasured, you are adored, you are worthy, and you are so more than enough. I hope that you were inspired. And if you were, please feel free to download, share, and leave a comment. I would be eternally grateful. Thank you so much and have an absolutely magical day.